Hi, welcome to We Love Freely. We are a black and queer owned coaching business dedicated to help curate the ideal relationship you want with yourself and with others. The vision we have for this podcast is that we are a resource point for people who are currently looking for a relationship and looking for a better way to be satisfied in their current relationship. We hope to help those in monogamous, polyamorous, friendship, single, or any other various form of relationship that you practice today. And uh, welcome back to We Love Freely. We are here with my friend from Atlanta, Miche. Hey. Uh, what's up? Uh, <laughs> just to tell you a little bit about Miche. Uh, Miche is a duly licensed certified in both trauma therapy and sex therapy. Uh, she believes in the power of living as one authentic self. And the freedom comes with changing perspectives. So let's put in the puzzle pieces together as, as a couple sexual energy and aiding them in a positive and explorative moment. Her coaching work implements creative synergy, openness, self-expression, confrontation of challenges to self-determination. She helps individuals with diverse populations move forward with their goal while being fully aware that trauma can play into being a whole authentic person. And so there's a lot of buzzwords out there and she's doing all those things truly to herself. And I just love the vision that she has for herself with her coaching business because uh, that's very similar to what we try to do here at We Love Freely, is that we're just trying to curate the most ideal relationship where everybody's satisfied. Um, and so, yeah, is there anything I may have missed, Miche? No, that actually sounds so much better when you say it than when I read it on my website. That sounds oh, good. Yeah. I like it. I like it. <laughs> okay, I'll record it, and then I'll place a voice note on your website. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. For people. And so, <laughs> so today... You know, like every episode of We Love Freely, we're going over a different resource for our audience. And um, today we're working on a checklist to repair the relationship. Um, And I know the term repair, you usually hear that with cars. How Mm -hmm. is that going to be like a repair relationship? Um, So I guess like kind of like get into this, since you provided a checklist on how we can repair things with our partner. Um, what do you mean when you say the word repair and can you potentially give us some life examples? Sure. When I say repair, um, I like to think of it as like a neutral word, like it's neither bad nor good. Um, and so you repair no matter what happens. So repair looks like I had a great play session with other people or, um, my other partners. Um, it can also look like my feelings got hurt and I just need to check in with you. It could also look like, I know I agreed to all of this and we were on the same page and then we did the thing and now I'm freaking out yeah. and I just really need to be held tight. Um, and what does that look like? Even though like technically nothing was crossed or boundaries were not broken or no one went in with intentions of like negativity, but you got triggered what does repair mm. look like? So it's just, it's more of like, how do we build connection 
around whatever just happened, whether it is positive or negative, whatever just happened, just how do we make sure that we're both here? Yeah, I love that. <clears throat> and so in this checklist that um, uh, Gottman provides, mm-hmm. uh, he was an amazing person. You guys should check out his work. Uh, he mentions that being emotionally available is related to attachment styles. And yeah. I know some people out there may not know what attachment styles is. Um, <clears throat> and so I was wondering if you can give us a quick, you know, course crash on like what attachment, what attachment style is and uh, kind of how can we figure out our own? Yeah, this is like the best um, time for us to do this because I just finished doing a, we did a relationship boot camp um, segment and I just finished actually doing like an hour long teaching on attachment. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. So there's um, four different types of attachment styles. There's secure, there's anxious, preoccupied, fearful, avoidant, and dismissive avoidant. And so when you think about this, I want you to think about it as like four squares joined together. So on one corner, they're secure. So then you have like the things that make up like secure attachment, which is what some people are, or we're all, everyone else who's the other three are kind of trying to move towards. And the characteristics of that are confident, reciprocal, non-reactive, and resilient. And then you have anxious preoccupied, um, that is emotional hunger. You have a fantasy bond sometimes, lack of nurturing and turbulence that exists within the way that you interact with another person. Mm. The next one is fearful avoidant. Um, And this one is characterized by like internal conflict. You're dramatic or sometimes you just need drama in the relationship. Um, It can be unpredictable. There's sometimes ambivalence in it. And then the last one is dismissive avoidant. And that one's characterized by people who like to isolate, to protect themselves. Sometimes there's ambiguity within the relationship, ambivalence, and emotionally distant. And so when you think of fearful avoidant, the best way to think of that is like a pendulum. It like swings between dismissive avoidant and anxious preoccupied. So the self-soothe behaviors that you do for anxious preoccupied and dismissive avoidant, you would collect all of those for the people who are fearful avoidant and you would do all of those together. So you mentioned like self-soothing. What are some random like self-soothing techniques that people have? Yeah, so um, I like to think of self-soothing more in like a dialectical behavior therapy kind of um, area. Mm-hmm. And so in that, um, self-soothe looks like mindfulness. So whether that is walking barefoot in the grass, um, doing a five senses exercise, around all of the senses and really focusing on just being present in this one moment. Um, It can look like doing a guided meditation where you don't have to sit there and tell yourself, don't think about this. Don't think about this. Let someone else do that work. Um, It can look like, I know for myself, I particularly like to run through the sun salutations just over and over again with breath work. Um, And that's very grounding for me as well. Um, when you get really activated and your attachment goes, oh my gosh, I know there isn't a bear, but it feels like a bear. And I know that I just saw you like having some like really steamy, intimate things going on. And I thought I was prepared and I was not prepared. And now there's a bear chasing me. And that's what my body's telling me. What you can do is you can take a cold shower or you get into the shower while it's hot and you eventually just turn it up to as cold as you can possibly like like white knuckle cold you know Mm. um and you stand in there and you just breathe for 30 seconds and it it creates like a dive response you know divers when they go down into the water Mm -hmm. after a certain temperature um your brain will 
reset itself. And so that's what it does. So it allows your chemicals to stabilize for a little bit. So you can choose to do whatever it is that you want to do to help regulate your body. Yeah. Is there particular types of self-soothing things that each attachment style has? I'm asking that because I'm wondering how can somebody um, identify themselves within Mm -hmm. an attachment style beyond just the descriptions that you provided? So, um, okay, so this was all based off of like the strange experiment um, where like kids were put in a room and they were playing with toys and they watched like the mom come into the room, play with the kids with the toys and the mother would leave and there'd be like another caretaker there, but that caretaker was a stranger. And the child's response based off of what they did when the mom came back into the room it's mm. kind of how we got our basis for attachment style. So this is all based okay. on like children who are not self-regulators. Like parents are your mm. child's regulation. internal emotional yeah. regulation system. Yeah. So it was based off of like the way that they did that. So the kids who like saw that their parents had left the room, came back and threw a huge hissy fit. Like my son, when he was little, when I would walk into the nursery, he I'd watch him for a little bit. He'd play for a little bit. And as soon as he saw me, he'd pick up a chair and he'd throw it across the room and just stand mm. there and look at me because he was so pissed I'd left. Right. <laughs> yeah. So like every time I'm and I would just be like, okay, yeah, that's what's happening. All right. Uh, and so like that's kind of like a display of like attachment. Like I'm I need you. It's my bid for connection. I'm so <clears> angry <throat> you left. Come back here right now. Right. So in adults, that looks like having a fight, not wanting to go to bed angry. Mm -hmm. That looks like, um, I need to track the phone now. Um, or, um, I need to, I need you to reassure me. Like you're not going anywhere. It's like, would you say that's more of like the preoccupied anxious one? That's preoccupied anxious. Yes. Um, and even if, even if they're getting all of the attention, once they get it, a lot of times they don't know what to do with it. So a lot of people have to learn how to soak in the love and attention that they're getting once it's received. Yeah. Um, so fearful avoidant would look like. Um, Which is the back and forth one, right? This is the back and forth one. So actually, let's go to dismissive avoidant first. So we'll do dismissive avoidant. Okay. That one would look like isolation. Like, I don't need anybody. I'm not upset. When I tell you I'm fine, I'm fine. Um, so the opposite of that is doing like what Sue Johnson talked about in like, hold me tight, which is, it's an infinity circle. And in that you have like two couples doing this dance where there's someone pursuing, which is normally the preoccupied, um, or anxious preoccupied, preoccupied person running towards their partner. And then you have the dismissive avoidant who's running away from their partner. And mm. so the person running away is like, I need space. I need space. And the anxious person is like, I'm going to die if you don't hug me like right now. Mm. And so the dismissive person wants to isolate. They need all of their space. But the truth is, is like these babies in the experimental, um, room, when you checked their vitals, even though on the outside, they didn't care if their parents left or came back, had the same reactions internally as the preoccupied avoidant or yeah, a preoccupied yeah. anxious person. So they're all still like jumbled and feeling insane on the inside because they want that attachment. They just learned that getting their needs met and speaking out about it didn't matter. Yeah. Um, so the idea of coming close actually feels really scary and having to make a concrete decision about that other person feels unsafe. 
Um, and so being emotionally distant or aloof isn't something they're doing necessarily on purpose. It's just that that's just a safer space. So for them, it looks like I actually need to lean into my partner yeah. or I need to start asking open-ended questions. And the way that they self-soothe would probably be to have some time alone, but then to come back and look for ways to reconnect. Gotcha. And that's a dismissive one. That's a dismissive. So the fearful <clears throat> avoidant, which is the pendulum, pendulum mm-hmm. is goes in between of those like it depends on what the situation is oh. um, and your background um, and some spaces will feel more like I need a I need a lot of lot of like I'll do the bids for connection mm-hmm. and if they're not met I'm dismissing the whole thing I'm done yeah uh, so would you can you swing between both in this mm-hmm. in the exact same scenario like for example with the kid who was in there the mom showed up Mm-hmm. Would they throw a tantrum and then all of a sudden just be like, <clears throat> yeah. yeah, 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 and sometimes it'll look it'll look different. So, um, depending on how how intense it is for them, it might actually just feel more comfortable to be like, no, I'm not doing anything. Like, I just need to be with myself yeah. from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And so, with a secure child, yeah, what would that look like? That would look like, oh, I was really sad that you weren't here. I might have cried for a little bit. But as soon as like, I see that you're back, uh, I'm good. We can play together. I'm going to do connection by doing healthy things like playing a game with my mom or um, crying for a little bit. I sit on your lap and then I go back out and play. Mm. And then in adults, what it looks like is we can actually have a sit down conversation and I have fully formed object permanence. Like I know when you leave, you're coming back. Yeah. And I know that like, if we have a disagreement, we can go to sleep and we're going to talk about this tomorrow. I don't have this fear that, that my partner is going to do something or go somewhere else or that I need to isolate so I can handle this on my own because you're not going to be there for me. That's not necessarily their very first choice and yeah. how we're going to handle our, our relationship. It sounds like a lot of trust work. It is a lot of trust work. So yeah. in the repair, um, and the book Polysecure, um, um, Jessica Fern does a repair model called Hearts. Mm-hmm. And in the very last one, the S is for self, is basically self-trust. Mm-hmm. And so what she's saying is that like, depending on your relationship structure, whether it's like monogamous or ethically non-monogamous, whichever way you want to call that the inherent need is trust in yourself, like trusting that I have myself. I feel secure in no matter which situation or which attachment style or I'm engaging in or with, or that I have for myself or whoever I'm with, that at the end of the day, I have my own back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's needed first before <clears throat> you engage with other people. So would you, of course, um, you guys will add in the, link to the book probably secure by Jessica Fern. I think it's a great resource for it anybody is. who wants to read a book about attachment styles. Um, and there's also a link in the article that we're providing um, for the repair checklist that talks about uh-huh. attachment styles. So you guys have multiple access to it uh, as well. Now, in regards to like emotional availability, right? I felt like yeah. we kind of like throw that word around a lot. Like, this guy isn't emotionally available. He's not mostly available. Uh, yeah. Like, oh, they're too available. <laughs> they're too like, available. Hey, that's that's definitely a thing. I was like, hey, wrap those emotions up. Yes. Uh, like, would you would you say that 
one emotional uh, attachment style is more emotionally available than the other. And if you are one of the three that we talked about, the mm-hmm. anxious, the dismissive, the fearful, avoidant, would you would you say that we need to work on being more like the secure folks? I know that was two different questions. Okay. I think I'm going to answer the last one first because okay. I, yeah. I think I've got that one. Um, the, yes, I think we're all trying to work towards secure attachment or earn secure attachment for people who don't start off that way, but we like earn it through doing the work on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but if that's not where you are right now, just trying to understand your own attachment style and how that shows up and then ask yourself, hmm, is this how I want to show up in a relationship? That's the first start. Like if you don't, you know, most therapists are like, if I don't, if the client doesn't think it's a problem, it's not a problem, you know, like yeah, yeah. Do you, how do you want to show up in a relationship? How do you want to show up when your lid is flipped and you're engaging in fight or flight or freeze or fawn? How do you want to show up? So, and then based off of that, engaging in, all right, well, what are my values? And, and I parallel that with my attachment style mm. and then I figure out who I want to be. Yeah. And speaking of values, we are going to do an episode on values. Brene Brown did a great, create a great worksheet on values that we will definitely be doing. So stay tuned for that one. <laughs> I know Brene Brown. She's so disrespectful. Yes. <laughs> I know. it's so disrespectful that we don't know each other <laughs> to be honest. pretty much <laughs> love her work so good okay um yeah let's move let's move on through the checklist so um in the section about the importance of friendship um it mentions sentiment override what exactly is that and how does that re- relate to repair work sentiment override yeah yeah. Okay. Can you say a little more about that? Yeah, I'm about to bring, about to bring it up right now. Um, essentially, kind of saying where you interpret what your partner says as something else, whether it be like positive or negative, instead of like what they actually said. So, I I think what I'm understanding mm-hmm. here is that you're having like four different conversations. It's mm-hmm. like what what I said, what you heard I said. <laughs> and then like same thing from like your partner's end and then if you're polyamorous it's just like what you think all the you're... people yeah it's like all kinds of people uh how does that you, you understand what i mean when i say all that right yeah, yeah okay how does that how do you think how does that play into like repair work mm, yeah i think i think that's kind of like trying to figure out not necessarily being on the same page of what your page is yeah. Um, and being able to reflect that back. So sometimes that's the smallest thing, like, okay, I know I just said a lot. What did you actually hear me say? Mm. And so being able to hear your words through your partner's interpretation of them allows you to be able to say, okay, that's not how I intended for you to receive this conversation at all. Um, and you can go ahead and just nip it in the bud where it turns into something else later on because they heard you know, you said words, but they heard something completely different. Yeah. Um, and and then sometimes they did hear what you said, and you have to agree to say, like, maybe we're not going to be on the same page with it as this. How do we have a compromise that feels like we're both in our own values and we're still being supportive of each other? 
see the value thing come up again. And I'm also just like, how do you move on from just being like, I don't think we're seeing eye to eye, eye, to eye on this. Mm-hmm. How, like, how do you, how do you bring that up? And then how do you move on from that? So, okay. So you're not going to like this answer, but I really do think it is your values. And then you have to be really specific about what your, what your values are and then what your partner's values are. Right. Mm-hmm. I might have the value of, um, let's say justice, right? Like that might be a huge value for me, mm-hmm. but the way that is displayed is going to look completely different than the way that you display justice. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's a whole nother level. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. you're right. I don't like the answer. <laughs> so being like super clear about like what what is it that your your value is and how that aligns with your other person. And mm. then saying like at the end of the day, we both value the same thing. Do am am I supportive of your expression of that? And mm. if I'm supportive of your of your expression of that, even if it doesn't look like mine, is that okay? Right? Yeah. Like for the most part. If I love you the way that you are, I appreciate you for the way you are. I'm not really going to care about your expression of it because our values fundamentally at the same, at, at the core are the same. We're just expressing them differently. Yeah. And that's kind of how you, you try to find common ground. Mm. Yeah. I like that. Like honoring the path that you're going on, but knowing that we're on the, we're basically going the same. Yeah. Yeah. Destination. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so let's get into it. So th- essentially the whole checklist is um, six different categories of, of repair, right? Yeah. Um, so he has like awareness, mm-hmm. turning toward tolerance, understanding, non-defensive, responding, and empathy. So that's attune. It's the attune acronym. Yes. And, and John, he has like, if you Google it, he has like a four minute, like John Gottman has like a four like little minute YouTube video on it. It's called How to Build Trust. Okay. Um, and it's actually really good. Yeah, cool. And I'll definitely add in that into the show notes as well for you guys. Yeah. What I like the most about this checklist is that he provided six different like I statements. And, mm-hmm. and I think I statements are just extremely important that people yeah. need to get into more when it comes to like communication with your partner. They're so awkward though. They are so awkward. They're hard. Yeah. They're hard to do because it's like learning a new language. It I is. feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's also like very confident, and I don't think we speak confidently normally. Huh. Oh, that's a really great way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's also like, like no grounds for wiggle room. It's no, no, no. You started this with I feel, so this is definitely yeah. your feeling. My yeah. Feeling. Ownership. Yeah. It's yep. Ownership. It's all, uh, ownership is all mine. Which mm-hmm. again, another thing that I feel like we just don't do that often in this country. So, <laughs> so it's just like a lot of shock. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> all right whoa so so you're not blaming okay okay yeah yeah uh, I, all my defense mechanisms is about shifting the blame back to you i don't know what to do now <laughs> you get so much further in the conversation if you take the blame out yeah you, you really, really do. do facts and so it's funny you say i feel because that's the first one is mm-hmm. um it's like it's, i feel i um, mean use that for when you're trying to share difficult feelings or at least that's yeah. like he brings up here um what if you aren't sure about what you're feeling what should what do you recommend to people then um and how should a receiving partner respond to this when they say i don't really know how i'm feeling 
Okay. So when you don't really know how you're feeling, my first thought is dropping into your body. What is your body doing? How is your body feeling? Because sometimes, because, like, you know, here we are in the US and there's only like a couple of emotions that we're technically allowed to show. Mm. And so we're just really famous at stuffing. Yeah. So a lot of times people will go into hospitals because they think they're having a heart attack and it's actually just a panic attack. It's not just, but it's a panic attack. It's a panic attack. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we are better at identifying that our body isn't okay than we are about what emotion we're actually feeling. So mm. sometimes it's easier just to drop into your body and ask your body what you're, what's going on and being able to voice that. Like, I don't know how I'm feeling. And right now my chest is heavy. Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like my neck is really stiff and my shoulders are up by my ears and my skin is crawling. And I could probably say something like, I just need to like get in the bed or I need to go for a walk. Or can you just hold me like really, really tight right now? Yeah. And that is connection, which is what expressing your feelings. That's the end goal of saying, I feel X, Y, and Z is for connection. So if you can't do that, you can still connect. Or you could also say, I don't have the answer to that right now. And can I, can I give it to you a little later? I might need to sleep on it. Yeah. Yeah. And as somebody who's like kind of receiving those responses but they don't really want to give it to you what you're asking for like for mm -hmm. example like uh, can i just like sleep on it and i hear that and i'm just like i want to address this now <laughs> like, you know, like, like, ah! or like you know like or if just like i just you know my neck is kind of sore i would really like love like a massage and i'm hearing that and i personally in space right now where i don't want to touch anybody yeah. Right? Yeah. How, how, what is some language that you would give to the receiving partner when they can't give you what you need or you're asking okay. for? So normally if you're pissed at the other person and you're trying to do repair work, yeah. massage may not be like in the wheelhouse. It might be a little like, some people. <laughs> <laughs> we went a little deeper there. <laughs> I'm going to need you to lay off a little bit. Maybe I don't need this massage. Um, yeah. So maybe not, not that one. But, yeah. uh, I think like, okay, I think that's when you come back into attachments, right? So the gifts of the people who have these different attachment styles for people who are a little more dismissive avoidant, they have the ability to give you the space you need to process mm -hmm. through your emotions. Um, that people who are anxious or preoccupied anxious, they, are kind of like the canaries in the coal mine that are like, okay, I'm feeling things, I'm feeling emotions, and I'm feeling like we need to come close. They're normally the first people to be like, we need to repair, like right now. Yeah. So um, those are kind of like the gifts of those different spaces of what they can bring to the table. Um, so for someone who is running towards, like if you're on the infinity symbol, if you're running towards your partner, like, no, 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 let's fix this, let's we need we can do this like we have enough relationship equity where we can work through this mm -hmm. i want to do that um the person who's dismissive is probably like i need to like self-soothe and take my own space for a little bit before i can lean into that 
So if the person who's dismissive can say, can you give me like an hour or two? And then we can come back to this. So being like, you know, it's 6 p.m. right now. Give me until eight. We will have a coffee or a wine or however you want to wind down from the day or wind up. Um, You have to stick to that, though, because that gives the person who's anxious somewhere to hang their hat. Right. And they go, oh, I can trust that, that you're going to come back to me, that you want to work through this with me and I can do Mm self-care. You can do self-care and we'll meet back in the middle. Yeah. So it's not a no. It's like, hey, let's just calm down, do our self-soothe things, get back together and have the have the ability to have the conversation that we have enough relationship equity, hopefully, to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Okay. So the second uh, statement um, is focus on saying sorry, figuring out how to apologize. I didn't know it was so hard to apologize. I thought it was a really simple thing. I do it all the time. Lies. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) apologizing is hard. It is extremely hard to do with your loved ones. I don't know why it's harder, Mm. but it's so much harder to apologize to like your mother than it is to like a stranger. Uh, At least for me, it is. Yeah. So, do you think so yeah do you think partners find it hard to apologize to one another is it do we see apologizing as something that's childish well that's a good question hi you guys just wanted to step in real quick and talk about ways that you can support we love freely as you are listening if you like the content please don't forget to follow and rate the show it would really help to get the awareness of these free resources out there in the world additionally if you're looking for more of a classroom-like resource, check out our website, We Love Freely, to purchase e-courses covering topics like struggling with jealousy to I want to spice up my sex life a little bit. You can find these e-courses and prices on welovefreely.com. That's W-E-L-U-V-F-R-E-E-L-Y.com. Thanks. Now back to the show. I don't, you know, when I think of apologies, I think that the thing that gets in the way is rightness. Mm-hmm. I think when you apologize as an adult, it's kind of like I'm giving up my hold on being right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. That's yeah, kind of yeah. that's like I, my I initial it, reaction. I, I think it. I'm sure a bunch of other people think it. <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> I'm right. Yeah. Um, and and so, and then it's also saying like I've done then you kind of have to have like that war with like, is this guilt or is this shame? Like, have I done something wrong? Or are you saying that you, you, you think like I should have done something different or this was not acceptable. Is this like a should you're putting on me or expectations? Um, But at the end of it, it really just matters. Like how important this relationship is to you and your ability to say, dude, I I fucked that up and I'm sorry. Yeah. So so you're saying that apologies always come with a risk. I think there are are risks to the person who's asking for uh, the repair to happen, right? Because what you're saying is like, I'm giving up my like desire to be right. And for you to see that my side of the road is better. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm also saying, you know, like I'm being a little vulnerable right now. I totally messed this up. Are you still accepting me? Is this still okay? Is this still what you want? So there's Mm -hmm. vulnerability in the repair of an I'm sorry. And an, acquies- an acquiescing of being 
and you're right. kind of asking for reassurance should mm -hmm. it should it be you know like when you say like i'm sorry you're all it is vulnerable you're, you're also yeah. kind of like asking for reassurance where it's like are we good yeah like yeah. when you're saying like i'm sorry you're also thinking i hope that we're good after i have now said this mm -hmm. so is is there a way is there like are a, we good with vulnerability like there's there's yeah. an element of nakedness to it oh kind of. right yeah. You know, like if it's done right and you guys are having arguments, there's laying down of weapons. There's saying like, all right, I, I messed this up. You see that I have like, I've spilled mustard all over my shirt. You're going to give me a hug even though I'm a mess. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so I guess I'm going to ask you just kind of, maybe you already have this template, but what is a verbal template you would give your clients when they're apologizing that not only they to apologize correctly, but also to um, acknowledge the vulnerability of this being vulnerable. And then lastly, adding in the reassurance that are, are we good to move on now? Are we, are we good? I don't know if there's necessarily a template. I think there's an ownership part, like owning your side of the street, owning what you brought to the table. Cause it takes two people to argue. Mm -hmm. Um, things you probably could have done better. Okay. If you can see that. Um, and being willing just to be wrong and to know that that's okay. And that, you know, we're human and connection is not necessarily built on how well we are doing. Right. Mm. Nobody likes to be next to somebody being like, I've got a million dollars. I also have a million dollars. Yeah. I also have a million. Like that's not connectivity. I want to hear somebody go, I lost a million dollars and I feel horrible today. And I can be like, girl, I spilled coffee all over myself. I got yeah. into a car accident. Somebody stole my debit card. That's what builds connectivity, right? The fact that I'm like, I'm human. And the other person can go, I'm human too. Right. Right. It's laying down all of the things that we put on, all the masks we wear, all the hats we wear just to be people together. Mm. So when you're able to do that and hopefully your partner's able to do that, that's what creates vulnerability. And that vulnerability says come close because we're built for connection. Oxytocin, right. the thing that's released in your brain when you hug, when you give birth, even when you're stressed out, is all built and predicated for us to create connections and that's all you're really trying to do yeah I feel that <clears throat> and for, so for the last part of that question do you see do we see apologizing as something childish to do do you feel like it was like by childish i mean like you know you're taught to like apologize to the lady for doing x y and mm -hmm. z you mm -hmm. know and and that was kind of how we were taught to kind of like respect other people's boundaries mm -hmm. do you feel like we kind of like forgo that when we became adults where we're just like we were just like because no one was asked our, our parents weren't asking us to do it anymore we're just like we don't need to do this anymore because that was a childish thing to do because i was a child and my parents told me to do it i hope i hope it is a childish thing yeah and i and i hope it's something that we all embrace um like if you watch two kids playing in a sandbox together and one kid accidentally gets sand in the other child's eyes right and the other kid's like flailing around more often than not, what you're going to see is the kid who threw sand in the person's eyes, like pause, like in shock and fear, and then want to like take care of it. 
They want to fix it. And then once their friend has stopped crying, they're probably going to hand them a toy and say, hey, come back and play with me. Yeah. That's all an apology is. And kids do it best. They do it. Yeah, they do. Intuitively. And then the repair is come play with me again. Yeah. And that's all we're doing. That's what the repair, that's what the apology is for. It's to say, I'm so sorry. I hurt you. They're going to give them a kiss and maybe a hug and they'll say, I'm sorry. And then they'll ask them to play. So yes, I do hope it's childish I think because it that's where it comes from. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I was, yeah, cool. I'm glad we agree on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so the third thing is uh, getting to the yes, right? Um, so what does your partner need to hear to know that we're on the same page? It's basically what we're focusing on when, when I say getting to the yes. Yeah. What does your partner need to hear to know that we're on the same page? Um, so my question to you is, is there always a way to be on the same page with your partner? Uh, and what if you find it hard to be on the, on the same page mm. with your partner? Mm. I think that you can be on the same page. Okay, I have, I have, I have, I'm a real, I love, the reason I got into relationship work is because I'm also a relationship cynic. Mm-hmm. So I think that that there's two different ways to look at that. So I think you can be on the same page. And I think that there's nothing wrong if you all are in different books, trying to make sure that yours match up so that like you're reading back and forth being like, hey, does your book kind of say this? No, mm-hmm. it says this. But like, I can see if I drop down a couple more paragraphs, it's very similar to where yours is. Right. Oh. That's also kind of like looking for that compatibility and ways to connect. So yes, you can be on the same page. But at the end of the day, that's really just about finding a middle ground. Okay. The same page as middle ground. So okay. you guys can be in different books, but if you're both looking for the middle ground, if you're on, it doesn't really, it's what you build. Mm. Mm. Does that make sense? It does. And it, honestly, it's probably going to sound like a broken record at this point, but I feel like you're only going to get to the yes if you have established values for the relationship. Yeah. And, and well, it's not a broken record because before I think we were talking about what's my value, what's your value. Mm-hmm. What I'm talking about right now is the relationships. The value. relationships values. Yes. I, I don't think we've talked about this yet before, mm-hmm. but I believe there needs to be established relationship values mm-hmm. that's so separate good. from my values and your mm-hmm. values. Mm-hmm. So if if our relationship values is uh, da, 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 loyalty, mm-hmm. right, and we're very we both know like being loyal to each other whatever that looks like for us yeah is very important i think like mm-hmm. if we can if we can get back to that page of yeah. loyalty and the, yeah. and the fracture that caused the repair mm-hmm. i think we're pretty good yeah especially if you're in like different relationship dynamics that mm-hmm. the the value like the fundamental value might change depending on where you are and you're not sorry the fundamental value of trust will be the same the expression of it might change right mm-hmm. depending on who that person is also attached to or where you are all, all are in your stages of life right yes yeah completely. yeah yeah. <clears throat> yeah like i know like if we're going to bring this like, to the polyamorous like world like for me like i <clears throat> dated couples before where it was like pretty established what the loyalty meant for them was that they were see me they were both would see me at the same time there was never really a time where i would only see one or the other okay um and then i also had like a relationship with another partnership where 
they only wanted it separate and didn't want it together. And so like having, knowing that we're, at the end of the day, if we had any issues, we Mm -hmm. knew like this kind of agreement that we have Mm -hmm. was set on this, on the value of this, like being completely open if there was any kind of slip ups. Yeah. Um, And like, and that was like how they define loyalty. It -hmm. wasn't like if anything bad happened, it was just like, you were open about it and you told me immediately and that was okay. Yes. So the slip up wasn't a big deal. It was yeah. just the fact that we're open yeah. communication about it mm-hmm. immediately. Yeah. Um, so the expression so, has room for like grace and understanding. Yeah. But the value of it is the same. That's the bedrock. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Just mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, so the fourth one is uh, I need to calm down. Honestly, I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like when I hear <laughs> calm down, I'm immediately just like, I'm going to burn your children's children's house. Like, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> uh, but let's just go with it. Okay. So like, <laughs> what is, okay. So I'm going to do like, so like rapid fire things, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. What are some ideas you have heard as a way to self-soothe or soothe others? Um, I love co-regulating right? Like getting naked in the bed and just cuddling. Regulation is the best, right? Okay. No, no end, no goal. Mm -hmm. Just, just a good cuddle. I love that. Yeah. Um, that's one of my favorites. The other one is moving your body, being able to maybe have a kind of not triggering, but maybe a harder conversation while moving your body. So going for a brisk walk. Yeah. Or um, walking the dog, maybe doing the dishes, something where you're not eye to eye, but kind of beside each other. So the attachment piece is still there, but you're physically doing something else. Those Mm -hmm. are good ways to calm down. Any more? Oh, more. Um, Let's see. Working out together is a good one. Maybe going to go play a sport. Yeah. Dancing. Dancing. Moving your body. Oh, it's the best. So um i have a a friend of mine and every time she would get triggered or i would get triggered she'd like text me and be like do you want to go dancing i'm like yep put the kids in bed let's go you know and we just go dancing Mm -hmm. till like two in the morning get back and we'd be like oh and we have no shame there were times we would show up in sneakers and yoga pants okay because we were there to move our bodies yeah we're calming down yes (laughs) which i love so much (laughs) i would say like for me uh the way to kind of like calm down is to drink water Mm. i know that's like the weirdest thing ever like some people like oh go take a shower or put ice up i am constantly dehydrated okay and i'm just like never really aware of that and so like so it's like some, like I've had partners who were like give me a glass of water and immediately it was like oh <laughs> like why are you giving me that face and it's just like oh my god it's like the sneaker commercials <laughs> it's like this guy's has been going off on me and all he needed was this water yeah so I feel like that about tacos I can be mad as hell but if you bring me some tacos like we're good we're good we're good we're, good. we're real good <laughs> uh doing that when I lived in New York, one of my quickest ways to kind of like calm myself down is to go on Times Square steps, sit there and make up random ass stories about people's lives. 
It's fantastic. Like people watching. Just people watching. Well, people watching was great. But also yeah. making up stories. I just loved that how the drama was it on me. <laughs> so distraction. Okay, that is yeah. a very good technique. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, yeah it was a really good, good distraction. Uh, oh, another one yeah. is uh, trying to change the emotion. So when you said that, it sounded like that's what it reminded me of. So maybe watching, like if you're upset or ruminating, maybe watching a comedy or oh, a stand-up. Yeah. A stand-up comedy show would be really good. Oh, I would totally do that. Whenever, like, I'll go through a breakup and I can't, like, feel sad about it, mm-hmm. I'll just go watch a sad movie. And that would immediately just, like, mm-hmm. kick me up to it. Yeah. I was just finished watching, re-watching Under the Tuscan Sun. My kids yeah. were like, why are you crying? And I'm like, I don't know. Oh, okay, no. it's just sad. I just needed yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know I needed it until it happened. Yes. <laughs> Um, or another one, like if your heart is like beating really, really fast and you can't get it to calm down and you can't go run or do some push-ups. sometimes watching like a scary movie oh. is a good one because it matches your heart rate and it gives you like your body, it kind of tricks your body into having like a reason to be that on, I, like on yeah. edge. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's a good one. I like that a lot. Oh yeah. I'm going to start scaring people whenever people are pissed off at me. <laughs> That's 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 yeah. not what it is. That's basically that's what I heard. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Okay. So the, the fifth one is uh the stop action, which is basically about like de-escalating a conversation. Yeah. Or potentially stopping it altogether. How do you help find how do you help your clients find de-escalation ta- tactics for them? Mm-hmm. And when do you find it's good to just like stop the conversation altogether i think stopping is when and this sometimes takes work it's when you notice that you're getting triggered not mm-hmm. once you're triggered yeah. or after you've been triggered but once you realize oh i'm starting to ratchet up like the the let's get flipped you know my amygdala is singing i can hear it it's like a distant echo but it's getting real close yeah. that's when you when you pause and you go okay i need to go take a minute and that can look like taking a walk maybe go singing a song very loud in the shower mm-hmm. you know whatever it is that you need to do for self-care at that moment and then coming back to the conversation because we're you know s- social norms have it so that for the majority of the time we're not out here yelling at people in the streets i mean unless you're in atlanta traffic like sometimes that's just right. what it is yeah <laughs> and, <laughs> and for the most part we're not yelling at other people but we'll do that sometimes with our partners mm. so knowing that like i want to give this person the same space and benefit of the doubt that i sometimes will give like random strangers yeah um and how do i want to do that so i need to go off and do something else and come back with my thoughts a little bit more established and with my lid back down you don't get anywhere no one hears you when your lid's flipped no not at all yeah you don't even hear yourself to be honest yeah yeah you might not even remember all the things you said no yeah because partners will bring it up later and i'm like that sounds like something i would say but i don't remember saying that like i'm truly it sounds like exactly yeah did you yeah i I mean it does kind of sound like me yeah it's gonna sound yeah (laughs) uh so but then, like, like, think about the end, get, and the end goal. Like, the end goal of the conversation is connection. Yeah. If I'm flipped, or if I know that that's what's about to happen, I'm already defeating my end goal. Mm-hmm. So I need to walk away and do something different. 
not avoid not escape not talk about it just calm down enough to then come back and have the conversation i like that you say that that the end goal is connection because i'm thinking about the scenario when the end goal is not connection the Mm. conversations where you're having where it's like the end goal of this conversation is for me to tell you that i need space oh those ones are hard those ones are hard yeah and so i i don't even know what to ask you about that to be honest well i can say when you look at that like (laughs) in the attachment style someone who's preoccupied is going their amygdala is like not only singing they're preparing like like an opera yeah right like it's just like and all of my attachment things have fallen to the ground and life is over and I don't understand what's happening. And for someone who's very dismissive, it's like, okay, I'll just take my toys and go. Um, everybody is freaking out on the inside regardless. And, you know, that's kind of what, how it shows up um, when you're saying I need space. Mm. Now, okay. I have like one difficult question to ask you and then we'll go to an easier one because with those people who are dismissive, right? And they mm-hmm. want their space and they're with someone who's preoccupied. And, you know, this dismissive person was good. They were like, you know, like, give me an hour or two to mm-hmm. self-care and then we'll get back together. What if that dismissive person just doesn't really want to connect? They just, they just, just, they just don't want to. Like the mm-hmm. conversation is over. I'm done. There's no screaming child at me. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I got the self-care that I needed and I have moved on. <laughs> like, I fully have just moved on. Meanwhile, my, my partner is just like, 15 more minutes. Like, you know. Like, <laughs> uh, I guess that kind of comes with a whole, like, stop it all together, de-escalate the conversation. I don't know. How, how do you, as a dismissive person, how do I express to you that, like, I'm kind of over this conversation, even though I know that you're not. Mm-hmm. But is that like over, but I'm, I'm over the conversation and I'm over like the relationship too? Um, or is it just, I'm over the, the conversation. We need to put the relationship on the shelf for a minute. Like I've like resolved the, the issue. Like let's say the issue was like, I wasn't washing dishes and you're just like, and you as a preoccupied person was just like, yeah, you don't ever do the dishes or you don't do this and this and that. And like, the reason why I'm saying this is because you don't upkeep the house. And I just feel like you're not really contributing in the way that you should be contributing. Mm-hmm. And, and I've heard all that and I'm like, I just need a break. And I go and take my break for 15 to 20 minutes. And I realize she's right. Mm-hmm. I am not doing the dishes. I'm not doing these habits. I'm not contributing to this, to this house. And which means it may not be contributing to this relationship. So I'm going to try and like work on doing this and that, right? Mm-hmm. So in your head, the argument has been resolved. Okay. <laughs> and then you come back to the agent's person and they want to have this argument where you're like, in your head, it's already resolved. Um, it, it might be nice to have some type of ritual or um way to connect with that person that's already kind of built into the relationship Mm -hmm. that allows them to know that you're connecting in this moment i'm connecting so if one of the some part of the repair and, and for the attune um i don't think it's necessarily in this one um 
but I know that in the polysecure, I, I believe it's in part of that where it's like talks about rituals and routines. And um, when you in, engage a ritual or routine around repair, you can say, hey, like I heard you say, you're going to do the reflective listening. I heard you say that I wasn't doing my part and I need to do better. And I see exactly what you're saying, right? So there's that vulnerability, kind of like an apology piece to that. Mm -hmm. And here's how I'm going to do that, that this differently from now on, um, because for people who are anxiously attached, they need to know that you're coming back, right? Right. So this is how I'm coming back. Um, this is how I'm showing up. Oh. And then you do the ritual of the repair, whether that's we have like coffee on our back porch every night, or that's like we co-regulate together and we cuddle naked or we watch our favorite movie together. It's whatever ritual and repair happens after that. So you don't have to continue to have that conversation because it signals to the other person like we're good. Mm -hmm. And hope sometimes like some people mm -hmm. will just be like, I need to rehash this. That's yeah. a different story. And for most people who are anxious or preoccupied anxious, what they're really just looking for is the attachment piece. Right which is what the ritual repair does. It, it, mm -hmm. It's the linking component the linking. to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And it has, and because it is a ritual routine, it has clear boundaries, which is really like uh, um, reassuring to the dismissive mm -hmm. person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so the last one is I appreciate, which I love. I love appreciation. I love gratitude stuff. I mm -hmm. incorporate all my client stuff. It's great. And this is just a focus on like, how do you feel appreciated? And how does your spouse like to be appreciated? That's to focus on this last part. <clears throat> so I guess my question to you is like, how often do you think like partners should share their appreciation for each other? And do you recommend like partners for like sit down and like write down the things I like to be appreciated for and stuff like that and like and swap lists or mm -hmm. how do you do appreciation work? Oh, that's a good one. I think it depends on on the person and lots of people do theirs based off of like the love languages mm -hmm. I think that's a good one to just to have as a template for like oh this is how I like to have appreciation be shown to me um and then some people just do it really creatively sometimes like I've met a couple who like have a book and like they well it's like a, they call it a book but it's really email so they'll send each other emails about how what they appreciate about oh, the person throughout the day yeah um, which is really cool um um let's see i i knew another person who like before they left would go for a trip they would write down on some sticky notes things that they appreciated and would leave them around the house for their partner to find um i think i think i think it's supposed to be a creative thing mm -hmm. showing people appreciation and it needs to be heard because um not showing appreciation leads to resentment mm -hmm. which is a silent killer in a relationship mm -hmm. so that's yeah. that's something that should be part of the ritual and routine honestly yeah <clears throat> I love that. have you ever seen appreciation gone bad like they just yes. not doing it well like if it's not your love language <laughs> like if mine is like spending time with me, but you keep buying me gifts, it's just not gonna like, thank you for the toaster, but yeah. I don't need to see you. So um, that's normally how it kind of goes bad. Cause then you, the other person doesn't see, feel seen or heard. 
you know, and what you want to do is know that the person actually sees you. Yeah. Like that's what intimacy is, is seeing the other person. Mm. And that's why I was kind of recommending like making a list of ways that you like to be appreciated and mm-hmm. then giving it to your partner. Yeah. So that's so like good. a lot of people just assume they know what their partner likes or like how they feel to be appreciated. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter like, how long you're married or dating. You don't really know. Like my mom has known me for 30 years. She still doesn't know. <laughs> I don't really appreciate me. <laughs> I need you to write it down in details. Like, do you want me to bring the gifts to your house? Do you need them mailed? Like, how do you want them given to you? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I think I told my husband one time, I was like, will you please go into an antique store and find the weirdest thing? that you could, you could possibly find and then bring that to me because I'm probably going to love it. Yeah. Right. Like really, really specific. Um, and if, and if the person really likes you, they're going to go into, into whatever or do whatever. And they might not get it right the first time or the second time, but the more appreciation you show for their appreciation, positive reinforcement, Mm -hmm. they're going to want to do a better job the next time and continue to do that because they see how happy that makes you. I am working on this resource right now. It's called Ellen Watch Show. Um, provided it to me. It's called The mm-hmm. Language of Becoming. She's mm-hmm. she's the therapist for Esther Perel when Esther Perel was like in therapy. Um, I just want to sit in the corner with Esther Perel and draw for like, like I know. So she's the therapist for yeah. Esther Perel. I was like, okay. <laughs> so she has this. I know, right? It's like. Mm-hmm. like the godmother of all godmothers it's <laughs> <laughs> wild uh, uh, if you don't know who she is check her out Esther Burrell uh, uh, oh she's amazing she's like the goddess to all of mm-hmm. us like therapists and coaches yep, out there pretty much pretty much uh, so uh, Ellen Washell has this article called The Language of Becoming and it's essentially this like article that's about allowing your children to become who they are and not mm-hmm. molding them into like how you would like for them to be Mm-hmm. And she talks about different languages that parents have. Like whenever a, a child is throwing something, they're like, "Oh, like he's gonna be a baseball player with that arm," you know. Mm-hmm. Like, and just like being wary of like how those like messages kind of carry on. <clears throat> it's a really fascinating article. I will definitely I'll add it to the show notes actually. Um, but I was just thinking about love languages and how that has changed over time for me. Like I thought quality yeah. time was my love language, mm-hmm. and I'm realizing that quantity time. It's actually Ooh. way more my language. Like hmm. quality time doesn't soothe me or I don't feel as appreciated as much as like the quantity and how mm-hmm. frequent it is. Mm-hmm. 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 And we don't need to do anything like high quality, like, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I do need to see or hear from you every day. Yeah. And that makes me feel appreciated mm-hmm. in some shape. Or oh, I like that distinction. I like it a lot. <clears throat> yeah. And so mm-hmm. like, even so like three years ago i would say it was quality time and we would do things that are quality time related so we'll just do things that we both love to do and blah 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 um and now three years later we don't have to both do things that we both love to do but i do Mm -hmm. want to do something with you at least once Mm -hmm. a day Mm -hmm. so i'm just saying that to say like how we feel appreciated by our spouse can change how i interpret how i want to be appreciated can change yeah 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 Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Because you're not the same person. No. 
right? You change. So it makes sense that the things that would fill your cup would also change. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And that's okay. Oh, it's more than okay. It's yeah. amazing. I love that. But, but you got to tell your partners, like if you're, if you're with yeah. the same person for multiple years or, you know, you have a shift in, in who you are while you're dating someone, it's also really important to be like, I know I said X, Y, and Z, but what I really mean is this instead. Yeah. Agreed. And that's just difficult. I feel like it's very difficult to f- continually fall in love with the person that they're becoming because you don't know what they're becoming. You don't. Yeah. Terrifying. There's a lot of fear when it comes to love that we just don't talk about. Listen, you want to do another podcast? <laughs> we can go there. <laughs> Wait, let me stop. Let me stop. <laughs> no, all my friends have told me, oh, you should do a podcast. I'm like, mm, no, because this would happen <laughs> five hours later. <laughs> it's basically a live stream at this point. <laughs> you do not need to be on live stream. I will go. My, God, my Marcos I, are like 15 minutes long. It's horrible. Yeah, honestly. Okay, well, <laughs> I, I think we've covered all like the checklists yeah. for the repairs. There's a lot of stuff that we covered. Uh, a lot of things that I think a lot of you guys will be able to apply from home. Um, but there may be a few things that you may need more distinction or need to work on a specific scenario that we didn't cover. Mm-hmm. The great thing about that is that you can always book me say for a, a coaching session yeah. uh, that she can help you work through that process and and whatnot. So if you guys do go through the checklist and do need some help and sort or some guidance on this, me say how can they reach out to you to learn about booking a session with you or just learning more about your business? Yeah, I'm gonna say that, but real quick before I do on the on the idea of repair, like. The majority of what we fight about, which is context, is are things that are never really going to get resolved. Like the way you stack the dishwasher will probably be something you argue about like in your 80s. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily the context, it's what the subtext is really about that you want to focus on. And regardless of the subtext or the context, what's really important is how you repair. And John Gottman talks about the people who repair well are the ones that stay together not necessarily how you fight not how often or how infrequent you fight it's how you repair so it's so important to be able to have this as a really good anchor in your relationship yeah. okay so um you can reach me at www.expansiveconnection.com um you could also email me it's just my first name it's Miche at expansiveconnection.com or you can find us on twitter at expand connect love that and i will be adding in all those links into the show notes for you guys to reach out to her for book a session. <clears throat> and if you're not able to, you can always reach out to us that we live freely and we can book a session here and we can work through these repairs that I feel like will forever just be timelessly important. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we yeah. say thanks for being here and have a conversation. It was a blast. Yes. Hopefully we didn't go on too many tangents. <laughs> uh, I love tangents with you. Anytime. Uh, literally say stay tuned for the next episode where we talk about fear and love which will last for five and a half hours we'll do it (laughs) bring snacks yes bring snacks bring all the snacks for us all right cool well i will talk to you later see you later so much bye bye you guys again thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of we love freely please check out the show notes for copies of the resources we went over today and contact information for our guests additionally 
please check out We Love Freely on Instagram and TikTok to keep up to date on future episodes and live chats. Hope you have a gorgeous week. Much love. Mwah.